0: Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC, on whtc.com, and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Wednesday, January 24th. We're going to be doing this particular segment on a quarterly basis. We are very pleased to bring in the general manager of the Holland BPW, Dave Coster, on the other side of our table. Dave, good morning, and I will say this, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to <laughs> you too, Gary. Yeah, great to see you. And we're bringing Dave in on a quarterly basis to talk not only about the municipal utility that many of you do have, but also talk about general energy uh, reliability questions as well. And if you got a question for Dave, you'll be happy to take it at 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. Without divesting too much, if you do want to save it for tonight's Holland City Council work-study session, but the thrust of the session for tonight is going to be dealing with the... Um, Holland Fiber yeah, Project. Holland, Holland City
1: Fiber, a uh, big initiative, uh, again, very stakeholder-driven in our community to reach a decision that we wanted to deploy an infrastructure throughout our community and make fiber optic uh, broadband connectivity available to every home and business in the city of Holland. The voters in August of 2022 took up the initiative of whether or not they would support a millage that would uh, essentially pay for a bond that's being uh, or has been sold now uh, to allow us to have the funds to build out this network and uh, and to do that build out over the next couple of years so that everybody is, has it available to them. If they elect to choose to get service, they can get uh, a high-speed fiber optic service. So we're excited tonight to give an update, and there's been a lot of activity that's happened. And so, yeah, I can... Divulge a little bit of information here. I think uh, a lot of information has been already kind of circulating out there a little bit. Um, you're seeing more information come out of our website, uh, keeping people up to date on what our plans are, and also our board of public works heard an update in December in a public meeting. So a lot of that information has been out there about the status and what is the status at this point. Um, the engineering is complete. We have the the entire system now designed. A firm that we hired called EX Squared is doing both the engineering and the build out of the fiber optic network. The engineering portion is done, and they have started construction now, actually, in January, early January. Uh, Started moving around the Collin Park area, and uh, they're going to be building out what's called fiber hoods. And so uh, not neighborhoods, but fiber hoods, and there's 15 of them in the city of Holland. The first three are kind of the first uh, few to go, but we're going to be working our way through over the next couple of years to make sure that fiber is available to each and every homeowner
0: and business in the city. How disruptive? Is this construction work going to be?
1: Yeah, we hope it not to be very uh, disruptive at all. A lot of it is in the road right away, especially the undergrounding that we're going to do. And then when a customer elects to have that, uh, you know, there'll be a a, a trenched uh, a system into the house, much like you know a cable would do. And if there's an overhead, we're following the electric service. So if your electric is underground, you know, we're pretty much going to follow the the fiber optic into the the home the same direction. If it's an overhead, uh, maybe a back lot line, you know, then we're hanging something on that uh, back lot and then, then you'll have a service line into your house. So so again, shouldn't be very disruptive at all on that and uh, uh, something we're working very closely
0: with our contractor to minimize. Another aspect of the disruptiveness is something that our road construction folks have to keep in mind and also general construction folks is that if we want to do something in Holland, we got to start after Tulip Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we'll be—you uh, know—we'll certainly be
1: trying to get out of areas where there's a lot of activity around Tulip Time. Good news is. Our called Fiberhood Number One was our core downtown area where a lot of the Parade Route is. Uh, that was actually completed under a different project, uh, and we're going to be enhancing and growing in that area. But we built that out around 2017-2018 timeframe. So there's some supplementing that'll be done there, but a lot of the new growth is going to be in, you know, Fiberhood Number Two, which is around that Collin Park area. So again. Probably staying out of the way of tulip time, you know, because we're going to be doing that over the first few months here and then growing into different parts of the community. Uh, So, again, trying to not impact that at all, and we'll have a lot of work that's going on kind of along the road frontages there in the road right away, but not a lot tearing
0: up roads at all, you know, associated with it. Okay. That also leads to another question, Dave, in the sense that outside of last week, we've had a mild winter. Yeah. Does that help in regards of oh, doing yeah. some of this groundwork that you need to have done?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It helps us get in and understand the conditions, you know, where we're going to be building. and obviously helps construction go quicker as well. And so we've had a little bit of a snap here of some, some snowfall. The forecast looks like it's going to get back up into the upper 30s and Low 40s here for a little stretch of time. We'll probably get some good melting of snow. So certainly we'll want to be taking advantage of that. The plan is that we're done with this work around spring of uh, 2026, so about two years of uh, construction here, and we'll have the entire uh, town uh, covered.
0: That answers my other question about a timetable. Uh, Maybe tulip time 2026. Yeah, (laughs) we'll be
1: done and enjoying the completion of it. And the other piece that we needed to talk about, we'll talk about tonight is... What does it cost, right? I mean, people want to know, what is the service going to cost? And uh, so we are actually presenting to the council um, some information. The board did approve, our Board of Public Works approved a rate sheet, which will go to our city council in February as a follow-up to this study session. And in the study session tonight, we'll be reviewing some proposed rates there. Our base basic service, when you talk about our basic service, That's 2 gigabits per second symmetrical, so 2,000 megabits per second. Um, Really just something you cannot find out there uh, in the world of Internet offerings uh, today. The system's actually being designed and built for 10 gigabit capability. So, you know, when you think about we use more and more of this bandwidth every day that goes by, and, and the more that our content that we're viewing gets to be more high definition and the more things in our house that are using uh, broadband, you know, this system will be ready for that. So that 2-gigabit offering, $45 a month. Uh, that covers the service from an Internet standpoint. It covers the cost of the line from the street to your home. No contracts, no data caps on that. Um, you know, you can uh, essentially uh, get that service, that basic service. If you elect to do um, the, the 10, you can uh, elect to get 10 gigabits per second capability. That'd be $125 a month for that. So uh, really, really good prices on that. Again, as a not-for-profit entity, uh, whatever our costs are, that's what goes into the service. And, and uh, you know, there's no other, uh, uh,
0: you know, thing that you're paying for other than what it takes to make that service happen. If you got a question for Holland Board of Public Works General Manager Dave Costa, he'll be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. Let's talk a little bit about a new donation program called M Power. And I believe the last time you were with us, you were sort of alluding to this particular program becoming possibly a reality, it is now a reality. It is.
1: We're very excited. Um, We actually, last time I was here, we talked about the fact that we had made a presentation to our board to share the results of some studying that we had done to evaluate what kind of program could we create here. For years, we've had very generous uh, individuals in our community that have come in at various times of the year, often around the holidays, but other times as well, where they've had sums of money, and they want to put that towards others that are in need. And uh, so we've thought about that, said, how can we do something that recognizes that, puts it through a good process of uh, people being qualified through a third party so we know that they are truly needing the assistance, and then also maybe create something where others that aren't doing that now, but maybe have always wondered, can they do that, You know, have a means to do that. So we've created a program Empower, if you look on our website, it's one of the first things you'll see on our banner scroll there. And you can sign up right on our website and you can choose to do either one, five, or $10 a month if you choose uh, to do that. Could go into a fund that is going to support uh, customers that are in need of assistance. And uh, you can also bring in a one time check if you want to come in. That would be through. More of a mail-in or come to our service center in, at Hastings, 625 Hastings, uh, here in Holland. And you could also make a one-time donation alternatively. All these funds, we're going to be partnering with Community Action House. And they are going to help qualify uh, customers of the BPW that need this assistance. Our target is to try to find people in what's called the ALICE uh, uh, range. And if and people aren't familiar with ALICE, it's Asset Limited. Uh, income constrained, but still employed. Um, for our community, if you look at uh, Allegan and Ottawa County, I think the data that's out there, uh, there's about 10% of our population that's in, in called in the poverty level. Uh, they often have other means to get assistance uh, and other programs that are available for them. Often, kind of what falls through the gaps is this Alice population, which is the next 20% of our population, which is still employed. But maybe very limited in their income and and struggling to meet ends meet uh, on some of those uh, bills that they have, so you know we're targeting a fund here that's going to help kind of prioritize that area and be something that can supplement you know other types of assistance uh, that would be out there. So so again, Empower. It's on our our website and it's a very easy process to to make an election
0: there. Uh, website by the way, very easy. Hollandbpw.com. That is Holland bpw.com uh can people who are not customers of Holland bpw put money into the empower program
1: yeah obviously not through electing it part of your bill but you could always again come into our service center and at hastings avenue and make a donation to people in the area that are of need and we certainly will put it into that program so that the community action house is able to you administer that
0: very well for our citizens now we have to this is a you have to physically do this is it's yeah. not something online because our, obviously this particular program is heard by our friends listening on com and through the whtc app. And they're maybe miles away yeah. from the Holland area. Unfortunately, yeah. you got to come into town.
1: Well, you have to come in if you want to uh, drop it. Off. I think you still would take a mail in. So if somebody wants to mail us uh, at Holland BPW, um, you could, you could do that. I think if you wanted to do that, you just have to make sure that you were very clear about the, the, uh, you know, put a letter along with it or something like that, that gave us clear indication of what you wanted to do. But yeah, we're mostly set up for people to walk in with mm-hmm. those one-time donations. Okay. Just trying to
0: clarify things or sure. Just, you know, if people have questions six one six three nine five fourteen fifty. 616-395-1450. If you do have a question, 616-395-1450. Uh, before I go a little bit further, real quick, I well, let's get to a call and then we'll uh, get a couple of things here. Good morning, you're on the line with Dave Coster. Yeah, can you uh, revisit the program on the uh, recycling of gas-powered uh, items and switching it to electric? Uh- yeah. That, th- yeah. Okay. Thank. Appreciate the call, and we'll talk about that yeah, right now. Yeah,
1: that's great. Yeah. So we have um, just launched over this last uh, couple of years here what we call a beneficial electrification uh, incentive program. Uh, it's operated within our community energy services uh, department. Uh, They also help with energy waste reduction. So if you're looking at efficiency improvements in your home, uh, you can do that. So, yes, we have various uh, things that we are incentivizing. We are incentivizing if you are looking at changing out a gas furnace to an electric heat pump, uh, we have uh, rebates available for that. Um, If you are looking at uh, some lawn equipment, uh, maybe uh, uh, this time of year, you want to go with an electric um, a snow thrower instead of a gas-powered one. Uh, we have some uh, programs, uh, incentives to support that as well. Our goal there is to try to find a good intersection between uh, creating efficiency improvements, which a heat pump, for example, is an efficiency improvement, but also something that you can pair with an election to uh, get less carbon-intense power uh, to support uh, that appliance or that uh, ty- that equipment, uh, which you can do through our Holland BPW site. Again, you can elect up to 100% renewable energy. Uh, and our portfolio continues to shift itself at the Holland BPW. You know, we've shut down our coal plant. There's more coal coming out of our portfolio and our carbon intensity has gone down and will continue to go down. So as you're making that election, you're also choosing uh, a path that could actually create less uh, carbon-emitting resources uh, to support you know, that type of appliance. So on our website, again, if you look for our beneficial electrification program on HollandBPW.com or certainly otherwise, come in and see us, and any of our individuals from our Community Energy Services Department will be happy to help you with the specifics on those rebates.
0: if you have a question for Dave Koster of the BPW, 616-395-1450. It's going to go in one direction, but I will pivot and go in another direction, sort of following up a little bit with uh, that last caller dealing with the uh, energy portfolio that the Holland BPW currently has. Uh, Governor Whitmer tonight will deliver her State of the State Address. One of the things that she wanted in last year's State of the State Address was sort of a quote-unquote Green New Deal for Michigan. Uh, if she did get it passed, she did sign into law. How does that affect the BPW?
1: Oh yeah, it's going to have an effect on a lot of utilities in the state, uh, Gary. Um, so, just for your listeners, again, if you if you hadn't heard the news on that, um, the law that went into place late last calendar year now requires that on a statewide level um, that we reach a fifty percent renewable energy target by twenty thirty. A 60% renewable energy target by 2035 and for the first time in 2035 there will also be what's called a clean energy standard and uh, that clean energy standard will be 80% and then by 2040 the law would require a hundred percent clean energy standard to be met in the state Uh, I will say that there's a lot of work to do Um, and uh, the prospect of actually hitting that target on a statewide level for 2030 I think is very daunting Um, If you look at the grid operator in our region, uh, that's the Mid-Continent Independent System Operator, or MISO, it's called. Uh, They operate out of uh, Indiana, and they cover a multi-state region. They are kind of the ones responsible to make sure that um, a state's goals can be met. And a lot of the ways that those state's goals are going to be met is by building and integrating some of these new resources. It is about, right now, about a five-year backlog on um, a new solar farm that wants to be built having an application to interconnect to the grid. So just the logistics of making all that happen as well as dealing with the things that need to happen to integrate what are called intermittent resources like wind and solar that aren't there all the time and can't be called upon to operate, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of work to do that. And so um, I think that these targets are very ambitious The BPW's approach is going to be that we're going to certainly be very interested in balancing reliability and affordability. Uh, We maintain very affordable electricity for our customers. We certainly don't want to do anything that jeopardizes the ability to have good quality of life and economic development in our community. So we'll be launching this next year here um, what's called an integrated resource plan that essentially lays out a path of these constraints that the law is going to give us and it will identify resources that we might layer in at various intervals in order to meet meet those targets. Um, it'll also tell us what that's going to cost. And, um, that's something that we'll be able to take back. Fortunately, the law does have in the, uh, local municipalities control some ability to create, um, I would call it, uh, uh, delay might be the wrong word but uh, um, you know the the extension of some of these deadlines if there's reliability concerns if there's affordability concerns um, there is still some local control over that aspect of the law and so we'll be very uh, careful about how we how we look at this going forward
0: Dave let me ask a follow-up on this in terms of adapting yeah the uh, uh, new state mandates to what Holland BW is providing. How does that affect Holland Energy Park? Yeah,
1: so we and you know, we talked a little bit about these two different standards that are out there, and I think people can kind of get their arms around what does renewable energy mean. You know, it's the typical things like solar and wind and biogas, like we're doing in the digester here at the water reclamation facility, and some some of those those things. But you know, what is clean energy? Yeah, and under the law, clean energy includes renewable energy but it also includes other non-carbon-emitting technologies like nuclear. Um, But it also can include natural gas if that uh, resource, that natural gas resource, you capture 90% plus of the carbon dioxide that is emitted and you uh, essentially compress it and store it permanently deep underground, which is a technology called carbon capture and sequestration. Uh, It's a very costly technology, and so uh, for us... You know, Holland Energy Park, we would have to look at as part of this integrated resource plan, you know, what would be the ability to adapt that kind of technology to that facility? What would be the cost involved? Would it be viable? It's very important to us because that resource not only is a very economical resource from electricity provision, but obviously is very important to the snowmelt system as a waste heat generator, you know, for our downtown as well. So there's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of important study, you know, that we're going to need to do around
0: that. Let's talk a little bit about the digester. It's almost fully operational, or is there still some bugs needing to get rid of?
1: Yeah, bugs a great is a great way of looking at it because actually the bugs are what do, do the work there in the digester. They are... Uh, The digester is full. We have it completely full and it's digesting or breaking down about 50% of the solids that are in there, uh, creating a renewable biogas that uh, we are just starting up now, electric generation on the site, a very small generator, but enough to power about a third of the water reclamation facility. So that's really cool that we can use it that way. And uh, things are moving along very well with that. Now, once that's done, uh, we'll actually be able to have 50% less biosolids, which is important because the cost of disposing of that has gotten pretty high, and so we want to make sure that we can uh, minimize those costs. And actually, we're creating a classification of biosolids that gives us a lot more flexibility. It could actually become a fertilizer product that people could use at their home. You might have heard of the term Milorganite, that was Milwaukee's water reclamation facility biosolids. You know, we hope to eventually get to something that turns into from a cost maybe to a benefit to us and, and uh, very great project uh, supported by state revolving loan uh, funds, which have a 20% principal forgiveness. And under the new federal inflation reduction act, there might be other tax equivalent payments that are afforded to the city as well that could help reduce the cost of that project. So we're very excited about it.
0: One final thing, Dave, I do want to touch upon and we don't have a lot of time to do it, but I do want to get your thoughts on this. This is a story out of Chicago. It's Mayor Barrington Johnson and 15 city council members are expected to introduce an ordinance today that would require all new buildings and homes to use electric over natural gas. Some might say, well, that's fine. It's good and clean. But how do you generate the electricity? Don't you need natural gas to generate the electricity? <laughs> well, you
1: certainly do today. Uh, and again, I think for a long time going forward, we're going to need it because, you know, these the balancing of our grid is so important. And until, you know, some battery technology or other type of storage technologies get to the point where they can absorb the excess supply from wind and solar when they're producing more than what's needed and put it back into the grid to stabilize the grid, natural gas will be needed for some time to come. If you look at what happened, you know California and other very progressive states have still relied very significantly on natural gas. So the other piece of it is you don't get rid of all the natural gas usage. So there's still that infrastructure that's there that has to be paid for. So even if the volume goes down on the usage in your appliances, that probably means the cost of the rest of the supply goes up because those, those pipelines still have to be paid for. So it's not an easy concept. And I don't know if I personally I do like cooking with natural gas more, but I know there's these indu- induction uh, stoves and things like that that are pretty slick. But uh, I, a lot of people have some personal choices around how they desire to actually use uh, natural gas for cooking.
0: I, frankly, I think we need both uh, until the technology is there that we can be able to dispose of one. Uh, until that time, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see uh, all these aggressive and assertive efforts to try to get alternative energy yeah. really go. More information about what's going on in the Holland BPW online. HollandBPW.com. Dave Coster, general manager of the Holland BPW, not only thank you for joining us today, thank you for uh, being with us on a sort of a every quarterly basis to talk a little bit about uh, things going on with the BPW and about energy in general. Thank you, sir.
1: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Look forward to more conversations in the future. Thank you very much, Dave Coster, on 99.7 and fourteen fifty WHTC CBS News Straight Ahead with Steve Kathan, followed by WHTC News, and then we'll have a few. Final thoughts before Barb Visser's Evergreen Commons report at eleven twenty-five. And at the bottom of the hour, it is the WHTC Midday Report. Catch Hope College basketball tonight against the Albion Britons. Flying Dutch basketball begins at 5:30 on 99-7 and 1450 WHTC.